Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Today's program was recorded live at the Two River Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. People always ask me, especially at my age, I get a lot of age-related comments now. They always ask me, uh, who would you like to work with that you didn't get to work with? And I always say, oh, you know, uh, William Holden and Barbara Stanwyck and uh, uh, Cary Grant and, uh, you know, people like that. And, um, uh, and people who are of my own generation, give or take, I don't really, I mean, I admire some of them, but I don't, there's not a lot of them who I think I'd crawl over broken glass to work with, you know. But... There are a few. There are a couple of people who their career and the work they've done and the way they've lived their lives uh, in addition to, the, to their careers has always been so um, just inspiring is the word. You know, there's, there's not many of them, you know. And, uh, and one of them is the gentleman I'm going to introduce is someone I've admired uh, my entire life. When I first came to New York to go to school in 1979, soon thereafter, you know, there's the Paul Davis posters of this guy playing Hamlet in New York. This was the, you were told was, you know, you wanted to be this guy. You know, he was like one of four or five people that this is, you wanted to have a career like. So please welcome Kevin Klein. Now, what was it that was in the, an interview I read that you said there was the, the guy from Juilliard and he taught you, the guy that taught you the, the fencing, he taught you how to use a walking stick and they taught you an Elizabethan bow. Yes. And, and what's the other kind of bow he taught you? Jacobi, any kind of bow. Well, I learned to bow in every single period. So, <laughs> restoration, post-restoration. a restoration bow? Give, pick one that's your favorite. Well, 
Let me see. Restoration. I'd have to go back to my notebook. Let's have the applause but again and go. I remember this bow. This was like... <laughs> I don't remember the period, but I thought it must have been very silly. My favorite, someone told me that Olivier had a bow where he'd come in and he'd take in the house right, and then he'd come over and take in the house left, and then he had what he called the crush of humility. <laughs> the crush of humility. Um, in your voice training and so forth at school and beyond, what is a St. Louis accent that you got rid of? How do people in St. Louis talk? Ooh, uh, you know, I, I thought I didn't have an accent. I thought, well, St. Louis is very neutral. Just, and, um, but what they do at Juilliard is when you get there, the, the day you arrive is they tape you saying a bunch of sentences. And then at the end of the first year, they play it back to you and you, do, and you start screaming in horror at how regional you sound. And um, Edith Skinner, who was who wrote the book, which is the, the textbook used by every, everyone that I know, every, every drama school. And um, one, of the, one of the students said, Edith, when I went home at Christmas, all my friends said I sound affected and phony. And she said, change your friends. <laughs> now, when you grew up, your dad, I mean, all, all the bio is there in the, in the interwebs everywhere. Um, that your dad owned a music store and he was a, an opera singer, he was a trained singer, and you describe your mother as being a very theatrical character, quote-unquote? Yes. Right. Was she an actress? Never. Never. No, no. But she was very colorful. She was very dramatic, of, of Irish descent. Right. And, um, yeah. Aaron Gobrow. And you yeah. were, went to Indiana for music. Yeah, I went there to study Two music. Years. Two years. And then I realized the degree of like mediocrity I had achieved. What? You were more like your mother than your father? You're more an actor <laughs> than a musician? No. No, I was a terrible actor. But I thought, this is hopeless. I, I could see my whole future before me. And it was utterly mediocre. Musically. Musically. I said, you'll were you be... in a band? Oh, in high school I was yeah. playing rock and roll, which is part of the problem when I went to study serious music. I had spent too much time... Uh, playing sock hops and bar mitzvahs. Um, so, uh, yeah, rock and roll was my, was my demise. Uh, but, um, no, I, 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 just, I could see that I wasn't... I had started too late, and I didn't have the discipline. And I thought, well, what's... What Did someone he? tell you you were talented as an actor? When I started doing plays in the theater department, all my musician friends would say, I saw you in the play, you should, that's really good, you should do more of that. And when I would play the piano for my theater friends, they'd say, you're really good, you should really stick with that. <laughs> so I actually had to decide myself. And, um, and uh, from very humble beginnings, I, you know, I started doing small parts and worked my way up. Uh, in the theater department. What was theater and film in your childhood, meaning were you, you know, writing poetry and you were very sophisticated when you were young, or were you watching McHale's Navy like the rest of us on TV? The latter, I'd say. The latter. Yeah. No, I wasn't... Uh, I, I went to movies. I did not go to the theater much until I w was in it. Huh. <laughs> really, in college, I saw a lot of theater. But um, it was movies. I always wanted to... I remember, well, not always, but maybe toward the end of my high school, thinking, "Yeah, I'd like to do that." That looks. Did like you really think that you wanted to do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Because 
you know, this was in the 60s when being cool was everything, you know. You had to be like Paul Newman in HUD. You had to be cool and heartless. And, um, and I had mastered Did you say that. heartless? Heartless. Oh, yeah. Did you see HUD? I saw, yeah. Yeah. Heartless. Roll down the window, Hood. What was it, Mel- Melvin Douglas? Melvin Douglas. Melvin yeah. Douglas. But um, he was an idol. Uh, but anyway, I was so cool, and I thought, oh, I could never be an actor because I, I feel nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my first acting class at, uh, at, uh, at Juilliard. I mean, I'd taken some acting classes in college, but I remember, uh, did you ever do those uh, emotional recalls? Of course. Yeah. And they say, okay, yes. I want you to recreate a time when you were really, really angry. And I said, oh, I've never been angry. I've never <laughs> been angry. That's the first part. <laughs> You're going to have to give me a minute here. The fact, yeah. Angry? Now, now did you... But, but how do you go... I mean, because obviously people uh, to this day think of Juilliard as this great temple of uh, arts education and when you how do you go from indiana and you're not sure you're an actor how the hell did you get into juilliard i asked myself the same question because a week is your whole career a huge accident is it like this pretty much no yeah no it is i think i think chance comes into it quite a bit uh and being at the right place at the right time because i joined juilliard in the third year of the four-year program that year they decided we need, so we have thrown so many students out and so many have left in desperation that we now have like 12 actors left out of the original 35. We need to fill out the class. So they brought in David Ogden Styers and me and Mary Jo Negro to fill it in. And they brought me in because they, and they told me, they said, we need a leading man because we have all these character actors. And then they, gave me character parts. <laughs> really, because the, the whole the part of the training was to be the complete actor and to play character roles and lead. Were you men. frightened when you were there? Did it scare you at all? Was it intimidating? Yes. And <laughs> yes and no. I had uh-huh. sort of I'd, I'd done it for two years. Well, I did it while I was in music school. That was part of the problem. But I did it <clears throat> heavily my last two years of, of college and was actually part of a group that we formed our own company off campus and had our own theater. And um, it, 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 I, night and day, I was always, I was doing a play in the main stage at the University Theater and also working at the, in this little coffee house theater doing uh, satirical political reviews every week and uh, improv and we had a playwright and we started doing his plays. Um, and so I'd, I had confidence. I didn't, didn't really deserve it. You didn't come from nowhere. I mean, when you got to Juilliard, you'd done some theater. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and so when you're in Juilliard, what do you... I mean, this is a kind of a, 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 you know, a, a lazy question, but what, what, do you, what did you take away from that? What are your memories of what it did for you? What did it do for you? Well, it certainly poof, polished me. I mean, you asked me what my St. Louis accent was. St. Louis has a kind of lateral, you know, those are fantastic pants you're wearing, man. Um, now, I, those are fantastic pants. <laughs> those, well, first of all, they're trousers, they're not pants. You learn not only how to pronounce the words correctly, yes. but what are the we correct say words. The word fantastic. Yes. Those are brilliant trousers you're yes, wearing. Yes, wonderful. But they... Um, 
the verse, how to how to parse verse and break up break down a Shakespeare scene before it breaks you down, and um, and a lot of mo- movement. I was very 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 tight. I was an athlete in high school, um, and I could you know catch balls and things like that. But I couldn't when I was acting. I was very stiff all through college. And so you know, I said I don't know what to do with my hands. You know all that. You know. Um, and Juilliard, suddenly, they said, well, now, you'll come first thing in the morning with uh, leotard and tights. And I went, oh, no. No, I, I don't do leotards and tights. I don't, what? And sort of modern dance kind of movement with Anna Sokolow, who was a student of Martha Graham's, a brilliant um, choreographer and an amazing teacher. Um, and so anyway, the, the, the short answer is, um, I... I learned to loosen up physically and disinhibited, become more disinhibited physically. And now people, people say, you, you, you really move your hands a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like a European actor. Um, but um, anyway, that's beside the point. But, when, when but, you, but it loosened me up and it, and it polished my speech and it made me appreciate um, Shakespeare much more. And... Listen, any great conservatory, whether it's music or drama or dance, it gives you a protected place to practice your craft. And protect it. when I say protected, I mean it's n- never more competitive once you get out as it was then. And getting up in front of the class to do a scene is much scarier than an opening night on Broadway. Uh, but um, it is protected and you get to... You learn by doing it. Is it for how many people here? Uh, clap if you're studying acting now, or you had studied acting. <clears throat> so there's a few people. When you were there, did you? Uh, uh, was it very production oriented? Did you do shows? Yes. Because when I went to NYU uh, for the little for the brief time I was there, like a year and a half, it was the opposite. They were like, you know, you are nothing, and you don't get to do shows to the fourth year. You are nothing. Yeah. Lay on the floor and just breathe. For three years, practice breathing. You know, not very production oriented, but was uh, it? Uh, Juilliard is exactly the same, but I missed those first two years. <laughs> you missed those lying on the floor years. By by no, by going into the third year, it became really production oriented. Costumes, mm-hmm. makeup, sets. Yeah, you were Oberon. Yeah, oh, yeah. The whole play. You were assigned a role, and you did it. I miss those days, um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, before then, you did something in a studio with maybe a prop, but it was just about acting, pure acting, and I missed all that. Now, when you got out of there, what was the gap between that and uh, doing the soap opera? You left Juilliard and you were on the soap opera how long? Three, four years? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. no. Was I, was in the, I was in the acting company for four years, which was a company... I was in the first graduating class of Juilliard. Right. John Houseman said... I just can't bear the idea with all this training that we've given you that you're going to go off, all of you are going to go out and do soap operas or sitcoms or movies. Credit card commercials. Credit card yeah. commercials. <clears throat> Podcasts. So, whatever. Um, so I'm going to form you into a company. And he formed us into the acting right company. Right out of the Julia. We were handed equity cards and put on a bus, and we went and did the four plays that we had done in rep in our senior year, and um, toured the country. I did that for four years. 
during which John Houseman won an Oscar for The Paper Chase and then started doing sitcoms and commercials <laughs> and all the things he <laughs> forbade us to do. Uh, so then anyway, uh, so I got out of the act, I, <laughs> I forced myself out of the acting company, said I've got to face reality and learn how to really wait tables, you know, and do what actors do. <laughs> And pay my dues. Meanwhile, did I've been you doing... wait tables? No, I never no. did. Yeah, um, it was such a rare and wonderful gift to have here. What what it used to be in the days of Olivier and Gilgood and those guys, you'd finish drama school and you'd go off to a rep company, to Birmingham or wherever, and you would learn. You would do rep. You would do a lot of plays, and that's what we did. Um, and I did four years of. Uh, play. We'd do a little season in New York and spend the rest of the year touring. And uh, there's just no experience like it. You just really learn stuff, whether you, whether you like it or not. Uh, but I finally had to leave that and sort of take on the responsibility of a, of a proper career outside the acting company. So um, I did nothing for nine months. I was starving. Um, I was doing off, 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 off Broadway. Um, and um, they would pay me subway fare. You know, this, they pay for my subway. Um, but in those days, you would invite an agent to come and see you in your showcase production yes. at this off, 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 off. Showcase, yeah. yeah. And that, On I, Van Dam Street. Yeah, that's yeah. where I would showcase. Van Dam Street. I, I can't even remember. I don't think the street had a name where I was. <laughs> but... I did a bunch of them. I, I, would, I got a job standing by for Raul Julia in Three Penny Opera, which was fantastic because I got, I got to. I had to watch, the, watch it every night. It was a wonderful production uh, directed by Richard Foreman, and I loved Raul. Anyway, he never got sick. I never went on. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, my point is that uh, I also, having sworn never to do a commercial or a soap opera, I got a part in a soap opera. Search for Tomorrow. Search for Tomorrow. And you played? I played Woody Reed. <laughs> <laughs> and I owned a, 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 a modeling agency for only the most ulterior of motives. <laughs> Surrounded by beautiful women. And they needed your guidance. Your yes, guidance. So I took them under my wing, as it were. <laughs> Heinous character, but I remember saying the first day, I say, please, can we come up with another name? Because I, I, I have to say my name. And to say Woody Reed. <clears throat> it's going to come out Reedy Wood or Woodwind Flatulent. or what, Woody Reed is just a hideous name. I said, no, that's your name. Okay. So I did that for one year, and it was great because I worked about once a week, and I was con could continue doing my uh, off, 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 off Broadways and standing by for Raoul and that kind of thing. And then I got a part in a musical, and which the rest was, is history. And the rest is history. Which for was Hector MacArthur. A, a Hector MacArthur. Well, yeah, and a bunch of people. It was a, a musical based on a play that you did magnificently. Yes. I closed the iron door on I you. I closed. The Iron Door. And uh, John Barrymore did played this character on film with Carol Lombard. Uh, it was called Twentieth Century. A brilliant film. Thank you. 
And um, this was a musical version that Hal Prince directed. Uh, Comden and Green wrote the book and lyrics. Cy Coleman wrote the music, and uh, Madeline Kahn and John Cullum were no, the leads. And I did a little, little nothing. In part. the play, the, the Oscar and uh, uh, and Lily Garland, Lily Garland, uh, they are in the musical more featured than her young Lothario. And in the musical, it's different. In the musical, your part is a big, the, the part you played the young boyfriend. Yes. And that was a huge part of the music. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It became a huge part. Do tell. Well, <laughs> it was a nothing part that I, a friend of mine had turned down. My agent told me to turn it down. I turned it down. But when I was delivering the script back, uh, Joanna Merlin, who was Hal Prince, who's a wonderful actress and a brilliant casting director, said, oh, you sure you don't want to do this because it's, you know, it'd be a great, you'd be part of the family and the part could grow in rehearsals, you know, you never know. Well, okay, I'll try it. And, uh, and I did it and the part did grow and thanks to Madeline Kahn who, another actress might have said, um, the guy who's doing all the shtick uh, and bouncing off the walls and doing all this stuff that's not written, could you fire him, please? She didn't. In fact, she said, let's develop this. And we developed all this stuff, and then we took the show out of town, and they, Cy Coleman wrote a song for me to do a duet. It grew and grew and grew, and, and I won a Tony Award. Um, no, no, and it was, so who was Oscar in that? Um, John Cullum. Cullum, Cullum, yeah. Cullum, Cullum. You're brilliant. Yeah. yeah. And you did that for how long? One year. One year. And right after I won the Tony, I left. They said, are you crazy? You just won a Tony. How can you leave? I said, well, uh, there's this great part in this wonderful Michael Weller play they're doing down at the arena stage in Washington. I said, wait a minute. You're leaving New York to go to the yeah, Tony arena? Award and it was, to go do? Loose Ends. It was a play called Loose Ends. Right. Um, and I loved the play. And Alan Schneider directed it. And then it moved to Broadway. And I did it for nine months. But... Um, I was told I was crazy to do that. But does that become a guiding principle for you that you want to go do what you want to do that excites yeah. you? And, you yeah. know, after you win the Tony, it's like, we're done. Yeah, either, I, I'd say it's a combination of doing what I want and being talked into things um, that I don't been, want, that, but then making the most of them. Have you ever been talked in, I can pour and talk at the same time. Look at that. Have you ever been talked into things? Many things, yeah. <laughs> What's Tonight, an example instance, of something you were talked into? Well, where people would say, oh, no, you've got to do that. You've got to. It's only four weeks, and you know, like Pirates of Penzance. I had done... <laughs> I had done this very physical comedy in, on the 20th century, and then I went off and did this serious Michael Weller play for a year, and then... Oh, I was offered this silly Gilbert and Sullivan. I wasn't a huge Gilbert and Sullivan fan. And I was riding through the park on my girlfriend, then girlfriend's bicycle. And, and it was a beautiful day. And I thought, oh, four weeks in the park. What, you know, how bad can it be? Um, and um, I was, so I was riding my bike to my agents in order to turn it down. Um, the part had originally been offered to Raul Julia. And Raul had to leave to go to Francis Coppola's uh, Zoetrope company. He had a rep company. Remember when he had that? He, when he first started the Zoetrope, he had this 
fledgling repertory company. So Raul had to bow out, so suddenly the part was open, and anyway, I said, okay, I'll do it four weeks, what the hell. And then it moved to Broadway for a year, and then we made a movie of it, and... And did you win another Tony? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, but, but it was a combination of it being a beautiful day and my agent saying, come on, it's four weeks, well, why not? It won't, won't kill you. Said, and that's okay, the first time I'll you met it. Joe? At the beginning uh, of your relationship with Joe? Yes. Well, I had met him because I carried his spear one summer before I ever started Juilliard. Um, I came, came up early before September and got a job carrying a spear and um, other items and actors. I carried Charles Durning once with seven other guys <laughs> <laughs> on a beer. Anyway, <clears throat> several beers. Any case, um, long story short, it's too late for that. Um, never mind. <laughs> what? Joe. Joe, yeah. I met him, but I, then I met him, I met him when I was standing by for Raul Julia, I met him, but then when I did Pirates, then I met him, and I, he kept saying, nice to meet you, and I was like, I, you know, I didn't want to tell him that I'd met him. Sure. But yeah, that's when I started sort I, of I assumed that out. was when he really met you, and really got yeah. to know you. Yeah. Hey, Alex, who is Joe? Joe Papp. Oh, Joe Papp. Joe Papp. And describe what he was like when you first worked with him. Well, uh... I love Joe. I, I miss him every day. He became a mentor and a kind of strict but loving father, guide, mentor. Um, and <laughs> I remember he came to the uh, dress rehearsal and, and Wilfred Leach, the director, said, now Joe's probably going to give you all notes. Be sure to ignore them. <laughs> and, uh, and Joe said to me after the, the brother, he said, you know... Uh, the pirates, uh, these are all gentlemen. They're peers of the realm, you know, so it's all, they're very sophisticated. There's not, uh, they're not goofballs, you know. And I, and I went, that's, not, that's all I'm doing is goofball, you know. <laughs> um, that's all I got. So I, I, went, I went to the director and to Graziella Daniel, the choreographer. I said, Joe says that the guy this should, should be gentlemanly and dignified. They said, I told you not to listen to Joe. Because <laughs> you know, Joe, the, he was right. Um, but we had sort of gone another direction. Joe was, Joe was great. The, the one thing, sometimes the notes, you had to take, but, uh, but you know, any actor who's had enough experience knows to take any note from your director, from your best friend, from your wife, from your fellow actor, take it all with a grain of salt. I remember John Travolta called when they announced we're going to make a movie of Pirates of Penzance. John Travolta, apparently, I heard, called Joe and said, I want to play the Pirate King. And Joe said, we have our Pirate King. That was Joe. Joe was utterly loyal and, um, and demanded loyalty and got it. And I would, whether it was whatever, whatever play, opening night, he'd come backstage and say, okay, so next, next year, what's it going to be? What are, you, are you ready to do Richard? or Hamlet or what, what do you want to do next and he'd sort of exact a commitment and I needed that and how soon after you do uh, Pirates do you go to make your first films uh, right after that right after right, that. Uh, yes it was right, right after it, Pirates it was during you Pirates of Penzance we were still running it on Broadway and Alan Pakula 
offered me the part in uh, Sophie's Choice. And, and I... And he said it was something he saw in Pirates of Penzance that made him want to cast me. <laughs> and I wasn't about to talk him out of it, but I, yeah. I thought, what an imagination. Yeah. And he was all... Uh, I couldn't have had a f better first director for a movie. He totally <laughs> indulged the actors. It was all... Oh, yeah. The actors, we came on the set first thing in the morning. There's no crew. There's no shot that's been designed. It's like, what do you want to do? Show, us where, show, show me where you want to go. And then he'd bring Nestor Almendros, one of the great cinematographers, and the rest of the crew, okay, watch this. And then we'd do what we wanted. Did you know Meryl before that? No. You met her on that film? I'm, no, I met her once. Uh, uh, she came backstage after Pirates of Penzance, in fact. Uh, I think that's where I met her. And did you, I mean, you'd done the soap. Yes. You'd done no TV, other TV. You'd yeah. only done the soap. Yes. And, uh, and so when you're on the set, Bakula, Nestor, had Meryl been making a lot of films by then? She'd just done the French Lieutenant Woman. Woman. Uh, and Kramer versus Kramer and a couple of others, but she's, that was her first big, right. big, or her most recent Right, she's in Manhattan, small Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when you do this film, do you, like, are you sitting there saying to yourself, I want to, I've got to learn how to act differently in front of a camera? Well, I remember Graciela Danielle, the choreographer for Pirates, because when we were, as I said, the, the, the show was still going on, Pirates, she said, you know, you, you can't do that, uh, those, all that face stuff you do on film. <laughs> You can't make those faces. Okay. And other people that said, you know, it's, film acting is completely different from stage acting. I said, oh, no. Oh, dear. Well, okay. I'll just give it a shot. Um, but I learned after a while uh, that acting is acting. It, the, the audience is much closer on film. And, in fact, you can do more uh, in some ways on film that you can't do in the, in the theater because the first row wouldn't even hear you. Um, but, um, but it was an adjustment for you. Yeah. Well, well because but I'm not saying this to be just flattering. I mean, you are someone who's done both at the highest level. Okay. You know, you've given great, great performances in films and you've given great, great performances in the theater. But was it tough for you? Was it difficult for you? No. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, it was scary because I thought, what if everything I've learned in the last, whatever, 10 years of acting professionally on stage, if it's not applicable, it's up to the whole new skill set I have to learn, it's going to be pretty daunting. But no, it was... And Pakula said, think of filmmaking as rehearsal, where you try it a bunch of different times, and then I'm going to pick the best one. But that's what rehearsing is. And each day you work on a scene or two of a play. In the film, you shoot a scene or two of, of the thing. And you work on it and do it a few times. And you trust the director. And For also, me, he invited me to dailies. Did and you find I, that helpful? Totally. And I am always taken aback when certain insecure directors don't want the actors to come to dailies. Because... The first day I went, I saw, oh, the, first of all, the way I was being lit was brilliant. Um, I mean, that's the character, I, I thought. And then I would go to Pakula and I'd say, okay, the, it was the, the first take of, uh, the first take the, the, for the beginning was good. And then right in the middle, it was like take three. He invited three, you to say that? 
take three, right, for the for for the middle part, and the ending I thought worked best in take four. And he said, I totally agree. And then I knew that we were on the same page, uh, as it were, and that what I was seeing and what he was seeing that we were all in sync. That we were, it was great. And actually, Meryl was a tremendous help. Uh, she, I remember once I was making a huge meal out of just me doing. I had to give. Stingo, the character's name. I had to give him some money because he'd been robbed. And I was doing, you know, you're a writer, you need this money, and blah, blah, blah. And I was just emoting. And she said, just, just give him the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and just, or you, you can just say it, you know? You can just say it. You don't have to. And, and so, yeah, I, I guess I was doing too much. <laughs> I know I certainly was. But, but I was helped by Pakula and, and, uh, and Meryl. And, and what a great thing to have your first movie with a great director like Pakula. Oh, God, he was so, such a spoiler. Was he, and, so who were some of the other directors, even in the theater, that helped you? Well, Jerry Friedman directed uh, my class in uh, School for Scandal when we were still at Juilliard, and then we, it went into our repertory, and then years later he directed uh, Blythe Danner and me in Much Ado About Nothing in the Park. He was a wonderful director. Um, and uh, I learned, he was the first one, like Pakula. Pakula did the same thing in terms of empowering the actor. Pakula would say to me, look, whatever we've talked about in this scene, what we think it's about or what, you know, what could happen, if you get a different impulse during that scene, forget what I said. Forget what we planned. You follow your impulses. The character was a psychopath and had to be unpredictable, and he wanted it to be as spontaneous as possible. And then again, I was blessed with Meryl, who Meryl's, Meryl said, don't, don't, don't be afraid you're going to hurt me, because a lot of it was very physical. She said, you can't, which I took as a challenge, of course. <laughs> but she was right. And, and Pakula said, do what you want. And the same way Jerry Friedman on, in the theater was the first director to say, okay, we're just going to sit around the table and read it, and when you feel like moving, get up and move. And pretty soon the tables are cleared away and we're moving around, and we're moving when we want to move. We're not waiting for the director to say, okay, now walk over there. Now put your hand in your pocket. Now say it this way. Now do, that's what, and he was the first, and it was that empowerment. It's like, you decide. What does this mean to you? What do you what, how do you want to do this? And that, that, was the, that was the key to, to, for me, both in stage and film. And those directors, the directors I love, Larry Kasdan is the same way. Larry's. How many movies have you made with Kasdan? Why? What about him? He lets you contribute. He doesn't tell you what to do. He wants to see what you're going to do. And he'll guide you back to the road if you've strayed too far afield and make a suggestion. But he loves actors. Peter Bogdanovich told me a story about, uh, was it Howard Hawks or John Ford? Who directed Big River? Whoever did. John Wayne was uh, saying, hey, uh, this guy, Montgomery Cliff, this new kid, he's got these big emotional scenes and I, uh, I've only got a, you know, a couple of lines here. and uh, I, need, I need some other big scenes. And he said, Duke, you need three good moments in a film. 
The rest of the time, you just try not to annoy the audience. Kevin Klein has nailed that advice. Coming up, how he almost missed his surprise Oscar win and why his mom wasn't going to let that happen. Explore the Here's the Thing archives. I speak with Julianne Moore, who also spent some of her early years working on a soap opera. I used to do what they called emotional applique, where if I had to say something that was really just plot-oriented, I'd try to, like, cry on top of it or laugh on top of it or anything just to make it mean something, sure. right? Sure, sure. Take a listen at heresthething.org. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Few big-name actors manage to avoid Hollywood typecasting. But my guest today, Kevin Klein, has that rare power to reinvent himself and delight audiences in the process. Compare his early role in Sophie's Choice with a later one like A Fish Called Wanda. You know, once you start making movies or become a the big star on Broadway or whatever it is, and you're offered things and don't have to audition anymore, it's a terrible burden. <laughs> well, it's, it's, a, it's a great, great it luxury. It is, it really is. No, but in, in drama school, you're, 
you're assigned, or in the old, the old days of the early days of movies, you were assigned a role. You were going to play Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind. <laughs> well, all right. Um, you know, and you just did it and did what you were told. And, but now, you want to do this or you want to do that? You want to do this? You want to do that? Uh, I, I don't know. You have to choose, you're, you know, and you have to. And have people that can counsel you and advise you. What's the movie like? Did you start to get excited about being in movies and go, oh God, I'm so excited? I get... mm. What's one that you just got, said, God, I'm so excited I'm doing this movie? Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice. Yeah, it was my right. first, and it was like insane. Right. I was like, I can't believe it. this is unbelievable. I didn't, I didn't have to start being the the pizza delivery guy with one line and work my way up. I just was boom, hit the ground, uh, running. I mean, I'd been toiling desperately in, in the theater for 10 years. And God rest his soul and God love him. Alan Pakula wanted an unknown. He didn't want any baggage. He, he wanted someone that you couldn't predict what they were going to do. And I said, well, that's me. No, <laughs> no one knows who the hell I am. What do, what, what do you think people hire you for? When well, now it's, it's, it's very tricky, that. Sometimes right. you... You, you, you become suspicious that it's for the wrong reasons. Because now the way the movie business works a lot of times is it would like, would, can we use your name? Will you attach yourself to this movie? In the old days, it's like the movie's greenlit, it's happening, you're offered a part, yes, no, okay. Now it's, will you attach yourself to this movie and then if we get another few people to attach themselves and they have a certain amount of guaranteed box office revenue in foreign sales, blah, blah, blah. We will be able to raise the money to make this movie. Okay, so a lot of times I think, well, they obviously just need some, they just need name for that. I'm not right for this part. They don't like my work. They hate me. They don't care about me. They don't love me. But it's like that with us, you're in meetings now, because the business is completely overtaken now by non-creative people. They don't have any background as writers or, you know, whatever, as producers. So everything is about uh, gaming it. I mean, the joke in Hollywood is you're having a meeting with them about, you know, the biography of Thomas Jefferson. And they say, well, who's going to play Sally Hemings? And they're like, well, Sandra Bullock is going to play Sally Hemings. <laughs> Who else could there be that could play? You know, it's, it's so it's so cynical that way. When you know? when, um, when I did the movie Dave, uh, I loved that movie. Me too. I loved that movie, and I of course I turned it down first. But I was I was, <laughs> I was talked into it, and I'm glad I I was. But um, Ivan Reitman told me he said the studio is pressuring me to use Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and I tried to explain to them that if you're Austrian, you cannot be the president of the United States. <laughs> of course, the irony is, years later, he became governor of California and probably could have run for president and may still, who knows. But he just thought it was, he had to kind of force me on the studio, and I'm glad he did. Now, a movie, we're, so, I'm sorry? It's actually, it's actually a fish called Wanda, right? Yes, because okay. the British, the British, Try to get the, the British right say... when you shout out. <laughs> when you're expressing love and admiration for Mr. Klein. I knew exactly what you meant. Try to get the meant. correct title, please. Yeah. A fish called Wanda. Right. 
which to an American ear sounds like, well, how did the fish know how to use a telephone? Why would they, you know? No. But that's a British, you know, locution. But anyway, A Fish Called Wanda. That part was written for me by John Cleese. He wrote it. Had you known him before? Yeah, yeah. You know him? Yeah, I knew him. Um, we'd met many times over the years, and we'd always have dinner, and we'd talk, and then he, he did a little part in Silverado. And we actually shared a house for the couple of weeks that he worked. And it was there when he told me, he said, I'm thinking of a film, an idea, and I'll... And he, he actually told me, he said, it's I've, you know, a year or so later when he wrote the first draft, and he said... Um, I've written something for you where you are the most evil person in the world and you are run over by a steamroller and you eat Michael Palin's tropical fish. <laughs> I said, sounds great. Um, <laughs> let's do it. Um, never thinking it would ever get made or anything. And you won an Oscar for that film. I did. No. Did you have an idea that you were going to win? Pardon me? Did you think you were going to win? Oh, God, no. You didn't? Not for a moment. Mm -hmm. I was actually rehearsing I Love You to Death in L.A. Uh, at the time. Yeah, that's the problem, you see. <laughs> a smattering. Um, not that big a hit, but a wonderful movie. And I was working on my Italian accent for the role. And... Um, and the Oscars were coming up, and I was just very ensconced in that, trying to master an Italian accent. And then I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just going to stay home and work on my accent, because we start shooting in four days, whatever, I'm not going to go to the Oscars. Everyone tells me I'm not going to win. Uh, apparently people who were following the, the odds makers or whatever said, you're not even a dark horse, you know, they're, yeah. they're like... Oh, and Kevin Klein, never mind. And, um, and I'm rehearsing with River Phoenix, who's nominated also for um, Running on Empty. We're in the same category. And he's so, God, he was so sweet. I hope you win. I hope you win. You're so great in this movie. But anyway, so I'm nominated. I call my home. And my mother says, we're all gathered around the TV uh, tomorrow night uh, to watch. And I said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going. I've got, I got a lot of work to do. I'm doing this, and I'm not going to win. And I, I don't. I just, it's a long evening, so I'm not going to go. She said, who do you think you are? <laughs> You'll go. You <laughs> get right out there, young you, man. Exactly. <laughs> and you put on that tuxedo. <laughs> that was a, okay, 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 I'll go. Um, and then I she won. went. I won. I really, I had... I you was were stunned when they said your name. I was stunned. I That's was. That's a great story. That's no. great. It's a strange thing. It's a strange thing. I remember I was presented the award by Sean Connery, Michael Caine, and um, th there were th three Brits, and Roger Moore. And they were, they were all there presenting and doing Brit, Brit jokes, you know, and then they said, and the winner is Kevin Gray. And, and then they kind of ushered me off stage, and I just said the F word about 20 times. <laughs> and I thought, why am I cursing? This is like, A, I couldn't believe it. B, it was, 
there was no contempt. You said or, it on camera? No, no, no. When, oh. You know, in, in as the you're wings, walking up. as they walk. But I thought oh. they must think I'm completely insane because I just kept saying. It just was a catch-all word that covered a myriad you had, of emotions, <laughs> from contempt to disgrace You had Oscar-induced Tourette syndrome, is what you had there. Like, yeah. You just scream out, fuck! I, I, I didn't know what it meant, and then I learned later on it meant nothing. It Except that people, Oscar winner Kevin Klein, um, and that, that was it. Right but but it, it didn't change... Oh, didn't it change your career? No. I was, didn't, were you too offered more comedy roles? Yes, but I was being offered more comedy roles because I did A Fish Called Wanda, not because I won an Oscar for it. But right after you won I don't the think Oscar, it hurt. What, 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 what did you go shoot right after that? What movies did you make right after, right oh, after well, that? Well, the one that I'd rather not discuss. Uh, but uh, then I did I Love You to Death. Uh, and the one you'd rather not discuss because you just didn't like making the movie. It wasn't fun. It was called uh, The January Man. It, it wasn't not... Yeah, it wasn't fun. Okay. Because I thought it was a comedy, and the, I don't think the director did. And I didn't realize that <laughs> until halfway through. <laughs> no, it was a John so Patton... Everyone, so everyone did an operating room, and you're going... You know? Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, you're, What are you doing? They're like, wait, oh, I'm a doctor, but I thought... <laughs> but anyway, you... It was a John Patrick Shanley <laughs> script, and Shanley is ironic and, you know... Funny. Everything's... And funny. So I saw the whole thing as a satire, and the director, we talked about it before doing it, and I thought he, but, uh, it, it was, hmm. no, it, it didn't, it didn't. What did you do after that? I Love You Love to death. death, yeah. Right. Which was the, the most fun. Why? Maybe I've ever had, oh my God, it was a brilliantly funny script based on a true story of a guy who's white, you didn't see it? I, I've seen Love You to Death. Yeah. What was who, it about? Direct, who directed the film? Lawrence Kasdan. It was another film. Yeah. Have you ever written any films or written any scripts? No. I what? rewrite. I do. No, because we were talking earlier about both of us having worked on a soap opera that someone told me about the second week said, You don't have to say the lines that are written. You can rewrite any of this. No one cares. <laughs> okay. And I started to learn. I would, because these lines were unutterably, inutterable, <laughs> awful, horrible. So I, I did a lot of rewriting. I learned a lot about rewriting. And now, and I'm sure you feel the same way, not only with comedies, but, and it started with Sophie's Choice. Meryl said, are you saying the lines as written? And I said, yeah. She said, you don't have to. If it doesn't fit in your mouth, you know, and if it's, you can, she saw me worrying about saying the line right, you know, and getting uh -huh. in the word perfect. And I was used to four or five weeks of rehearsal. We had three weeks of rehearsal for Sophie's Choice, but Meryl didn't want to rehearse. We want, she wanted, well, let's just talk. Let's have it happen in, while the camera's hmm. running. Uh, well, that's interesting, but I didn't have that repetition uh, that you get in rehearsals. So the lines, so she saw that I was struggling to she'd just say, you know what you're saying. You can put it in your own words. One of my favorite films of yours, I mean, one of them, I mean, there's a few. One of my favorite films of yours is In and Out. I love that movie. I love that movie. Thank you. Was that a good experience for you? Was that a good experience for you? Yeah, it was a great experience. It was, yeah. Great fun, and I mean, Frank Oz was terrific and, uh, as a director, and uh, Joan Cusack. Uh, She's priceless. She's priceless. 
Yeah, just amazing. Everyone, and Tom Selleck, everyone was a delight. It was, it was the most fun. And, and on, except for rare occasions, Frank Oz was that kind of, my favorite kind of director. Like, show me what you want to do here. He let us um, do, do our your thing. thing. Do your thing. Are we, am I mistaken? I don't think we're mistaken. Are we going to take some questions here? Is that right? Do we do we have a mic? Do we have mics for people? You just want to yell. What's coming up Raise next? Raise your hand if you have a question. Who, who, who said what's coming up next? Okay, okay. That's my stand agent. up, please. And you want to know for what's coming up next for Kevin? Here we go, Kevin. No. What's coming up next? <laughs> Did I say that right? Um, nothing. Don't know. Don't know. I'm, I'll, I'll be reading a script in the car home. And my agent wants me to call him right after I finish it. Because they're offering me a huge payday. <laughs> Another question for Kevin. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Another question for Kevin. I've always loved your comedy. And I've always been a fan of Pythons and John Cleese. And you said that John Cleese wrote that part for you. Uh, no, and I remember I had a friend, a producer friend, said, "Oh, you're going to do a movie with John Cleese and Michael Palin from the... I mean, that, that's very British humor. It's not the same as our humor. And I said, I don't care. I mean, first of all, I don't, I don't believe in... I think humor is humor. What's funny is universally funny if it's human. Um, and I adored... Monty Python. For me, the opportunity to work with Michael Palin and John Cleese, I don't care if anyone sees it or any, or if it sucks. I, wanna, I, I want that experience. There was no question uh, about doing it. Didn't know it was going to be a, a big hit. Didn't know while making it that it was going to be a hit of any kind. I, all I knew is it was great fun to do. And my favorite day, I think, on the set was one day when I, I, was, I got to direct John and Michael in a scene. I wasn't even in the scene. But I, by directing, all I did was, remember in rehearsals, you did this, it was much slower and it was much more excruciating when you're trying to get him to, say, Cathcart Towers. And, and I, I, th I think you're rushing. Uh, but if you slow down, and, and, and he did, and it... It's in the movie, and I directed John Cleese and Michael Palin in comedy acting. <laughs> that was fun. Um, uh, I wanted to say um, I wanted to say a couple quick things because uh, we're out of time, and that is uh, thank you to Kevin for making the time because I'm under the impression you don't do a lot of this, and. Uh, um, <laughs> No, but I mean like a lot of press. No, I don't. Like, I hate, yeah, I hate don't. interviews. Yeah, I don't yeah. like them at all. Yeah. And, uh, and, but I want to say that, uh, you know, in my lifetime, it's, it's always the same thing comes back to me and, and, as the people I've observed that I admire. And you are, you know, surely one of the most admired actors in my lifetime in this business. And I want to say, but I want to say that... Um, the, the, the people who are great, like you can't be great. You just can't. You can be good if you have 
two of these. You can't be great if you have one of these, but if you have two of these traits, you can be good, but you can't be great. But you can really be great if you have all three of these traits for men, and that is masculinity, intelligence, and sensitivity. And you exhibit all those things in all the films that you've made, and you're really great. It's really a pleasure to watch your career. What was the middle thing? What was the middle thing? What was the middle thing? Yeah. It was, <laughs> intelligence, what? I'm going to write Masculinity, intelligence. Sensitivity. Sensitivity, that's it. Sorry. intelligence. Kevin yeah, Klein, everybody. Thank you so much, Alec. Thank you all very much. Kevin Klein, we want more of you. Here's hoping that script you read in the car will give us that opportunity. Thanks to everyone at the Two River Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey, for making this possible. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.